Let's harmonize, we'll be dynamite. I can odle the high notes, I've done it for years. Good deal, old buddy, and I'll pour the beers. There's always some lady alone at the bar. Yeah, and you always let her know just who you are. I know a couple gals that we can call. Damn, they'll shake the picture right off of you. Well, we're barroom buddies, and that's the best kind. Nobody fools with a buddy of mine. I laugh when you're happy, and I cry when you're blue. We're barroom buddies and we're doing fine. So pour me another, we got nothing but time. Old chug a lug a luggin', barroom buddy of Bartender's trying to turn out the lights. Well, maybe it is time we call it a night. Hell, we wake up the roosters if we drank them real slow. Well, well let's have a double and a six-pack to go. We're barroom buddies, and that's the best kind. Nobody fools with a buddy of mine. I laugh when you're happy, and I cry when you're blue. We're barroom buddies, and we're doing fine. So pour me another, we got nothing but time. Old chug a lug a luggin barroom buddy of mine. Fair skirt chasing, tail kicking, guitar picking, pool hustling. Old chug a lug a lugging, old barroom buddy of mine. And you're listening to CITR. FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. You just heard right there Clint Eastwood and Merle Haggard with Barroom Buddies. And today on the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show, an interview with Leftover Crack. Yes, Leftover Crack from Seasquan, New York City, on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. To prepare you for Leftover Crack, here is Anton LaVey, rest in peace, the former head of the Church of Satan, playing keyboards with Gloomy Sunday, vocal by Blanche Barton. So here we go on the Nardwar the Human Serviette radio show with Anton LaVey, guest vocal by Blanche Barton, Gloomy Sunday on CITR, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Thank you. 
Children. You got a rock instead of a bar. Well, I am your friendly policeman. So you can't inside the wall. On the count of three, you throw the rock at me. And this is what I'll do. I'll let the rock bounce off my head. Throw bullet back at you.
was Old Skull with Homeless. And before that, and again, you're listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Before Old Skull, we heard a little bit of False Prophets from New York City with Destructive Engagement. Before that, the only subhumans the matter. Rest in peace, Wimpy Roy, from Vancouver, with Big Picture. And we began with Anton LaVey, ex-Rest in Peace, head of the Church of Satan, with Gloomy Sunday. He was playing the keyboards. Coming up, an interview with Leftover Crack. And to prepare you for an interview with Leftover Crack, here is choking vi- choking victim Stizza from Leftover Crack's band before Leftover Crack. Here is choking victim with Crack Rock City. And then an interview with Leftover Crack on the Nardwar the Human Serviette Radio Show.
Scott Sturgeon, a.k.a. Stizzacrack. From? New York City. From? Uh, New York State. From leftover? United States of America. Crack. Yes. And right beside you, who'd you have? This is Mr. Brad Logan. My name is Brad Logan of California. And leftover crack. Welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. We never thought we'd make it. And right off the bat, I have a gift for you, and it is in this towel right here. If you could open it, please, right now. What do we have in this towel? Ah, yeah. Oh, my God. Wendy O. Williams. So amazing. Wendy O. Williams bobblehead. A Wendy O. Williams bobblehead. Cool. Who you've had t-shirted. I, I did have a Wendy O. Williams t-shirt. What's there a lot of good times associated with that T-shirt and with Wendy Williams? Well, I never met Wendy Williams, though I'm a fan. But, uh, yeah, that shirt, you know, a lot of those good times I was pretty blacked out drunk. And then ev eventually I lost the shirt blacked out drunk. But that's a good time in itself, but blacked yeah, out drunk. But I've seen that shirt a lot in photos of me. And so I'm, I would say yes, good times. What can you say about Wendy O. Williams? Vegan. Uh, Vegan, animal lover, uh, chainsaw wielder, pioneer, pioneer of uh, of vegan and healthy eating in New York City, and also a pioneer of chainsawing televisions and blowing up cars at clubs. An early Mohawk uh, pioneer as well. And the pioneer of some of the first uh, famous fake breasts yeah. that were not porn related, yeah. for sure. Did you ever see those breasts in person? No. Uh, uh, it was before our. She was before our time. Yeah, a little bit. But I, on TV. <laughs> in person on TV, yes. I, I definitely saw Reform School Girls when I was a little kid. Yeah, she did some movies and stuff, but um, I haven't seen them. So there we have a Wendy Williams throbblehead. Wow, thank you. That's really really cool. So my question is, why is there not a uh, Nardwar throbblehead? Oh, that is coming. Is it? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> and I was curious, Jane's addiction for dead Kennedys? Yeah, well, you know, this, I grew up in New York City, and uh, I just didn't know a lot of punks. I actually didn't have a lot of friends in general. So uh, in school, I met a lot of the, the – there's a lot of Polish kids in our school in New York City. And uh, they, uh, they all listen to punk. They all share, like, five tapes in the whole country and then they come to America and they're like, this is what we have. We have this, you know, this like bootleg of give me convenience or give me death. And they, uh, they're like, yeah, James addiction, whatever. We don't have that in Poland. So probably I'd trade it to him. He went back to Poland and taped it for everybody. And then now they like James addiction too, for all I know. So. And now you know Jello Biafra, the dead Kennedys. Yes, yes. I've, I've seen his breasts in person for sure. The first gig that you saw was Citizen Fish at Gilman? That was the first real punk show I saw. I had been to one punk show in New York at a place called The Gas Station, which is actually where the last Gigi Allen show was. And, uh, but I wasn't really a punk yet, and I'd, I didn't really like the band that much that played. And, uh, but I feel like the first show I went to with punks as a punk was, was, uh, it was Sizzin' Fish, Paxton Quigley, Spitboy, and The Grups, all like kind of legendary Bay Area bands. So. At Gilman. At Gilman, I, and I think I was 15, and uh, I had never skanked before, but by the end of the night, 
I was skanking it up, skanking like with just the best of them. yeah, it was as good a skanker as any skanking skanker ever yeah. did skank. So, and this, uh, who do we have beside you again? This is Brad Logan from uh, F minus Rats in the Wall, a dozen other bands. Dating back to the 80s. Now, I was mentioning this, Brad. What was the first gig you saw? Because you didn't see Wendy Williams. The first punk gig or first concert I ever saw? The first punk gig. Uh, first punk gig was probably the Ramones at the Whiskey Go Go Christmas night, 1979. So you could have seen Wendy O. I could have seen Wendy O, but I didn't. I didn't even know she existed at that point. I was just roped into going to... I knew who the Ramones were, and it was like... This is the best Christmas ever, the Ramones on Christmas night. I have to abridge my first punk show was technically the Ramones at the Ritz in New York, but uh, but it, it wasn't a punk show. It was at a giant club like this, and it was a bunch of bikers. There weren't really punks there, and I wasn't a punk yet. But I, I still stand by a Gilman Street being my first punk show. And we have a... But, but the Ramones were still punk back when Brad saw them. And, well, but you could go to the Ramones, and I still had long hair, and you could go to a Ramones show with long hair, because in, in California at the time, if you went to punk shows with long hair, it wasn't a good thing. You weren't greeted with open arms. What do people look like at a leftover crack gig? <sighs> Homeless. No. Um, you know, I think well, that... All kinds. I feel Wide like... Scum. Could a Ramones fan come to leftover sure, crack? Sure. Absolutely. Sure they could. I mean... Anybody could come to a leftover crack show. We try and have all ages shows. I don't know if tonight is. I hope it is. What is it? 18 and up? 19. 19. I thought the drinking age was 18. In, in Alberta. Oh. We're not doing 30 and up shows, though. Well, we got to. <laughs> we have to do um, 18 and under shows and then 30 and up. 30, yeah. And, and just nobody, nobody in, in between. Nobody in between. Yeah. yeah. And Brad, I have a gift for you. Somebody really important, uh, subhumans, the only subhumans that matter, seven inch. Is this the Canadian? This is the Canadian subhumans. Yes, the Canadian. I know. I, I went. I, w I thought I was buying a, a UK subhumans tape in New York City at this place called Reconstruction Why? Records, and I went home and I was like, yeah, and I was like. Okay, this is, it is pretty good, but uh, it you bought the right subhuman. I wasn't the it wasn't the one I needed at that moment in my life, but I, I loved it too, though. Like a Canadian the subhumans, rest in yeah. peace, the lead singer Wimpy. Peace, w Wimpy like, Roy. Real yeah. activists. And yeah. Went to jail uh, yeah. for. Uh -oh. These guys are the real deal. That's for they sure. The Canadian subhumans. Yeah. Yes. Harry, you love... Subhumans are the real deal as well. Yeah, I was. They should just join forces. What if the Canadian subhumans had Dick Lucas do some songs with them, do like some reunion gigs or something? Yeah. Well, I was interested in knowing, what would you say about the subhumans from UK, the UK subs, versus the subhumans versus the subhumans? I think that they probably have a lot more in common than, than anybody realizes, besides the name. Yeah. That they're very... Uh, they're very um, animal-oriented, animal liberation, like, like activists. Yeah. And that, uh, I didn't say that correctly, but Brad, Brad will elaborate. Uh, agreed. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> I would say I would have to agree with that. They probably have a lot more in common than one would think. And I find it very interesting. Left over crack. Here we go. All the way to Nelson, B.C. Does Ezra ever talk about his band from Nelson, B.C.? No, uh, I've never heard about... Uh, he did say that he toured with a band from Canada and they went to, like... Cellar of the Sun. What do you know about Ezra in Nelson, B.C., in Canada? What's the name of the band? Cellar of the Sun. 
I know that they toured down to California and they went to Disneyland. That's about all I know. That's all he talks about his time in Canada. Well, he's very, um, uh, what's the word, shy about his time in Canada? He, he went so far as to burn his Canadian passport to re and renounce his citizenship. And now we move on to the next question. <laughs> Kermit the Frog, did you steal Stizza a Kermit the Frog puppet? Yeah, from F.A.O. Schwartz in New York. That's very Disneyland-ish. It's very, what is it, <laughs> Disneyland-ish? Well, Disney didn't own di the Muppets till like a couple of years ago, so. Or maybe maybe 10 years ago or 15 years ago. I didn't really realize it till I saw the Muppet thing that they tore down last year in, in Disneyland. And I was like, this thing's rad. And of course they're tearing it down because it's like original Muppet stuff. It's not the Disney-fied Muppets. It's like the political kind of like the whole time they're talking shit about Disney in it, pretty much. You know, it's like their first 3D thing they had at Disneyland. And they, you know, I thought that was pretty cool. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're putting this. This is going to be a Frozen exhibit now. It's like, uh, just I mean, inhaling. Yeah. Do you still have, Stizza, a strawberry chocolate horse in your freezer? Yes, it's still there. That one? Strawberry the horse. <laughs> we, I feel like. It wouldn't die. We I couldn't like, get that thing to like die. Brad named it. Brad named it because he. He, we put a picture on MySpace or something, and you wrote Strawberry Horse and Rider, and then I was like, right, Strawberry Horse, but I had just been stuffing strawberries. I did a lot of stuff like this in those days when um, yeah. I was like, let's say I was doing a lot of, uh, of indiscriminate pill-taking, and perhaps, you know, what do they have that stuff that's here in Vancouver that everybody loves? Um, heroin. And, and then I was like, I'd be in this like eight-hour van ride and be like, oh, I have this plastic horse with a bobblehead, and I'd stuff strawberries down it all day. It's also called cracking it. on tour. It's also called being on tour too no, long. I had fun, but then it's not as fun as putting the tofu pups in a CD player, but yeah. Stizza, any tips for riding a train, for hitching a ride on a freight train? Um, well, it's not like hitching a ride on the highway. Like, you, you know... You, don't, you could probably do that some conductor out there, some engineer might actually stop his train and let you ride. But technically you want it to be going less than 10 miles per hour. Like if it's going faster than you can run, then maybe you shouldn't try to get on it. But you know, that didn't stop me, but it, <laughs> it doesn't stop a lot of people. But uh, you know, I, I, I'm not gonna put a number on it. And you know, and then some kid's like, yeah, I saw your interview and, uh, and I lost my legs. And I'd be like, that's sad. You Where did you travel? <laughs> Where did I travel? Well, when I was riding trains, I traveled all over the states. Mostly, um, my most of my rides were between uh, New Orleans and Southern California, and then up Northern California and back down, and and all the way up to like Seattle and Oregon once. But and also like the East Coast, all kinds of general places. But really, I'd, I'd spend a lot of time between Southern California and New Orleans. Was it ever heading towards the border, and then you jumped? To which border, though? The Canadian border. Oh, I, no, I was always by the Mexican border, mostly. And what would happen is uh, we'd, we'd roll by, like, Yuma. That's a place, Yuma. That's a place. Or El Paso, and they're both right on the border with Mexico. And uh, when you go through those yards, you, you always pretend that you're asleep. Because if you... They, they, like, they're looking for activity, right? And then they want to find out, like if you're an illegal, so they'll, they'll pull you off the, the train there, if it, regardless of who you are. But um, you can get away if you're not too dirty. If you're like a white person that's not really dirty, 
then they're like, oh, it's a white person. They might be Canadian, but we're not going to bust them and bring them back up there. So, but uh, it's uh, it's weird. It's very racist. Let's just put it that way. Racist border, racist system. Leftover crack. What can you say about Anton LaVey's ten inch? Wow. Anton LaVey. Uh, you know, I, I I'm unaware. Of I mean, uh, well, you know, I know that he really liked. Um, is this like? I know that he. And what can you say about Anton LaVey? Goatee. He, yeah, he was go his goatee game was was strong. And he had a good organ game too. And and you know as you know, there's like, we were talking about Henry Rollins being in terrible movies, but Anton LaVey, he was in Rosemary's Baby. That's a great movie. Was he in Rosemary's Baby? Yeah, he played in Satan. The great Satan. How close were you to getting Anton LaVey in Leftover Crack? I feel like if Anton LaVey could have held out another ten years. And and kept alive that we we might yeah he'd probably be um our new guitar player uh -huh. that replaced Ezra. What do you think about the craziest backstage experience that you've had? A hot tub? There was a hot tub backstage. Yes, um that was probably that was the weirdest craziest backstage we had. It was in um what Norfolk Norfolk yeah. by Virginia yeah, Beach. Yeah. And it was us. We were on tour with the Casualties and Trash Talk, and. There was a hot tub and, and basketball court, basketball court and sauna and basketball stadium. court. What can, say? What else can you say? And then the rest of it was like some rich person's house or like, you know, like Epitaph Records, how they had their place done in like Valor. Yeah. And like other people I've met that are like have like millions. It's like, oh yeah. They, what do you do when you have millions of dollars? You Valor everything, leather and Valor, and then uh, like you know, muted tones like uh like dark purples and blues, kind of like Jewish art from like, you know, perfect. Jewish art from the Holocaust, post-Holocaust. So. Uh, perfect for leftover crack. Oh, for sure, for sure, yeah. And have you seen Stizza punch a fan? <laughs> I haven't seen anything. I don't, I don't know anything about... Have you seen Stizza punch a fan? I, I have, unfortunately. He was a madman. When do you punch a fan, and when do you give out your home phone number, your cell phone number to the audience? Oh, well, you give out your cell phone number when you're when you're wasted, and you last minute get get dead milkman switch for bad brains, and then you have to talk about their homophobia, and then you're like blah blah, and call me at this. Nobody called me though, or maybe one person or something, but and that's not my phone number anymore. So, how long did you wait before you changed it? I ne I never changed it. I can't remember what happened. Um. I think at some point I just lost my phone number and and I was in Mexico for three months and then to get a phone again I had to get a new number. Stizza, what's the importance of the dance hall crashers pad? Um, well, it's the dance hall crashers house. They lived with Ben from Oconochrist and a couple of the people from Rancid, like uh, I feel like Tim Armstrong and Brett. What's that guy's name? Brett Reed. Brett Reed. And uh, there's a lot of people. There's a big house on Adeline, kind of near the Ashby Bart. Have you been over to the East Bay? Have you been out of Canada much? Once in a while. Okay. <laughs> Every time I see you interview. Benicia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Benicia. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> what's the? Uh, what was like? Uh, so, so, anyways, I'm 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 in a, a van with um, kind of a bunch of people, new acquaintances that I didn't really know that well, but. Uh, they're in um, some kind of metal bands from the Bay Area, and including like um, uh, my my people I'm still friends with in band uh, Dystopia were there, but I don't know if they're in that van right then. But um, we're driving. We're gonna go to 
a show at Epicenter in San Francisco. It's like the DIY punk record store, and they had shows too. And uh, I see the Bouncing Souls hanging out on a corner of Adeline and something, you know, 60th or whatever. And uh, I'm like, I, I didn't really know these people, and I, I, like I said, I didn't have a lot of friends, so I was like, oh, I saw some of my friends. I was like, I gotta get out of the van and not go to the cool show, and then they, I think they all knew that that's where Rancid lived, and they're like, they kind of were like, fuck that guy. <laughs> that guy Sturgeon's a piece of shit, like, fuck him. And then, uh, except for a couple of those guys, but, uh, but I hung out there all night, and then, uh, I don't know, I, uh, Brian, Brian from Bouncing Souls gave him uh, our first Choking Vacuum 7-inch, and then that kind of started things moving towards us actually putting out a record before we broke up. Hashtag boat punks? Oh, yeah. Boat punks. Hashtag what? Boat punks? Well, so the, the, the progression is, um, you know, freight trains. And then, you know, I, I don't know what's first. Hitchhiking, I guess. There's hitchhiking, freight trains, riding. That's like the next evolution. And then it's sailboats. And then you don't have to ask anybody for anything ever. I didn't just no, sail around the bus. world. It's bus, then hitchhiking, no, then freight trains. Oh, yeah, it's true, because uh, cause bus, you need money. Yeah. That makes sense. And sailboats, you need money. Usually, you can get a free sailboat, though, if you have the time and effort to, you know, the know-how to fix it up. Then you can sail anywhere. Yeah, you can really be anywhere in the world and be, uh, you know, in any port and just kick it. That's my next thing. I'm getting a boat. Mark my words. Leftover boat. Fancy script. Leftover boat. Exactly. That's what it's going to be called, probably. Das Boot. Brad, why do you love Stizza? Why do you love leftover crack? Um, because they make me laugh. Okay. I was curious, leftover crack. What is the importance of this record right here? Suicidal tendencies. Brad, you feel this one. What is the import? What is not the importance of this record right here? Yeah, well, not only, not only is this an amazing record in itself and a document of the Los Angeles hardcore, but this gentleman right here, where is he? The guy with the symbol shirt? Yes, that's... that's that guy right there is, is Mr. Amory Smith, uh, formerly of Suicidal Tendencies, formerly of the Beastie Boys, formerly of F-, which was a band that him and I had together, and it was a really good time. And, um, and our first drummer in Leftover Crack. And also Thanks the first Brad drummer in Leftover Crack. Yeah. Yes. There we have it. Suicidal leftover F9. Really if you will. Be, it's supposed to be like this, and somebody um they messed it up in the when they were no, doing the negatives. And they accidentally um got it upside down and now uh, forever everybody thinks it's like artistic and great, but they accidentally this made a mistake at the printing place. You bet you didn't know that, Nardwar. I did not know that. Thank you, leftover. Crack. Punks is rappers? Um, some of them. You were on a remix. Punks is rappers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. And, and MC Lars, he knows Weird Al? Um, you know, he does, I guess. Do you know Weird Al? I don't know Weird Al. I don't know Weird Al. I, I was I curious. MC Lars. I think that's amazing. MC Lars knows Weird Al. I know. I want to know Weird Al is a thing. I want to know Weird Al, too. That's cool. We were just listening to Weird Al the other day. In yeah. fact, I've been rocking the polka medleys a lot in the car on tour. Yeah. Everybody's like, what is this? I'm like, this list is great. And they're yeah. like, yeah. Leftover. Crack. Leftover Kanye. Uh-huh. Rap. You love to rap. I do love, I love hip hop. And um, I, 
Start I, rapping. Start rapping now. I don't know if I love to rap. I I used to be better at it than I am now, but but I, I love I love it. I do. You love the early New York rap, oh, yeah. like the grave diggers. Well, you know this wouldn't really be called early New York rap. This is more '94. Like, yeah, that's more like what they called the golden era or something of hip hop when it's like the '90s. Really, I mean. It's my favorite. Era. Some people, 94 is early. Have you encountered that? True, yeah. You know what they say is that um, if you're into hip hop and, and, you're, and you, you're playing rap a lot, which I do, you date your. People know how old you are by what you're listening to mostly, because I mostly listen to 90s rap or in some 80s, but you know, and some newer stuff, but really I'm stuck in the 90s with this stuff. It's my favorite. And Gravediggers is one of the best records. Horror rap. I have a gift for you, Stizza. A cool 12-inch for buy boots. Oh, wow, cool. From 94. This is a great song, too. Uh, what can you say about the coup and leftover crack? Well, I have another band called Star Fucking Hipsters, and, and Boots Riley came in and did a song with us. And that was amazing. It was kind of like there's a few moments in my life where uh, you're like, oh, she, holy shit, like, how did like I get to here where I'm getting to do this really awesome thing with somebody I really respect and like that I'd say there's two things that that stand out and one is is working with with boots and uh the other is when we uh we did those Operation Ivy songs with Jesse Michaels that was a that big was a no shit moment too yeah like, there's nothing that can really top that or this these those two things are kind of untoppable in my book and you also got the instrumental on there as well. And so if I just get a record player here by the showtime, I might be able to, to rap, do a rap encore. Oh, the Fats Cats. Yeah, I could do that. Archipelago the shit, man, without the record. That's true. Uh, what did you meet, Biggie? Because I knew you met Bushwick Bill, and you met the guy from Bone Thugs. You, you were there at that time. Like, you were in New York. Well, I met Bushwick Bill in Austin, like, three years ago. I didn't, I didn't meet any of these people. The, the only person I did meet in the 90s that I'm really glad I met, that is, uh, um, I met Old Dirty Bastard in, in SF in like, I say 96 or 97. And uh, um, the cool thing, well, I mean, it's, it's tragic. It's unfortunate that Old Dirty Bastard's dead. He is my favorite Wu-Tang rapper and like one of my favorite rappers of all time. Just like unmatched as his style. There's nobody that has done anything like that in hip hop ever. And you know, it's debatable if anybody's done anything like that before him, including like Rudy Ray Moore and like Blowfly, you know? They have their, their shtick, but they didn't do what Older Bastard did. And so um, I was homeless living in the Tenderloin, or not the Tenderloin, but South of Market. We were living under the sidewalk on Mission and Third, Third Street. And uh, I, um, I got to town and somebody dropped a bunch of money. Let's just say they dropped a bunch of money. They were gonna drop that money again, so I didn't give it back to them. And uh, I bought a ticket for my friend Patrick to see um, Venom at at, at the same pl this club in SF. And then you know we spent all the rest of the money on on crack and pills and alcohol. And then um, then Venom canceled, or maybe it was Merciful Fate. We'll Anyways, we'll just say Venom. And uh, and I went, I went, we went there to get the money back for the ticket, and they were like, well, you can have the money back, or you could have a ticket to any of these other shows, which, you know, they, they didn't want to give the money back. I was like, oh, I'll go see Old Dirty Bastard. I was like, cool. And so I went to the show. It was a pretty good show. Let's just put it that way. It was pretty good. He had a lot of other people rapping and rapping for him sometimes. But, uh, <laughs> but at the end of the show, he was um, on stage 
and some people were getting stuff signed, but I was like 50 people back, and I was like, my, my New York City welfare ID, where is it? It's his record cover, and, um, and as, by the time I got it in my hand, he was disappeared, and I was like, all right. So everybody else is going, getting in cabs and taking buses and getting in their cars and driving back to wherever they lived, whereas I was leaving the theater and going back towards the Tenderloin through the alleys, and that's where I lived. Like, if I just went a few blocks up through the alleys, I was under the sidewalk at my place that I was squatting. And um, there he was, like, behind a chain, a chain link fence. I see an old Dirty Bastion. I was like, you know, he's going to, he's got to, like, he's going to see this welfare idea. Even if, like, whoever it is, he's going to go to say hi to the guy in welfare in New York. So I pull it out, and he's like, he's talking to someone, and he gets a grin just like the one on your face right now. And he comes up to me, and he's, he comes up to the fence, and I was like, I could hardly talk. It was, like, the only time in my life I was tongue-tied. Believe it or not, I was tongue-tied. And I was like, but, but, uh, 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 and I, I was like, said something about squatters liking old dirty bastard because we're all dirty, you know? And I was filthy. I was like in, I was sleeping in, an, you know, outdoors, no showers. Brad knew me at this time. And um, he went and found a pen. He like ran around and got a pen and he signed his name on it. And I still have it to this day and uh, pretty special. He like went out of his way to like sign my New York City Welfare ID. That's amazing venom for old dirty bastard. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, well, actually, you know, I mean, I, I love all the music. I love metal. I love hip-hop. I mean, why, we were just, uh, you know, at a Limp Bizkit show the other day. Believe it or not. In, in yeah. In, yeah. But, you know, we were, it was a festival. Only in Canada. Clown Fest. It was yeah. a Amnesia Clown Fest. It was um, ICP. Did you meet them? No. Oh. I mean, they played the day before us. Uh, but we did dress up like them for Halloween two years ago at, at our Leftover Crack show. Leftover crack? Yeah. We dressed up as? Insane compost. Yeah, I could show you a photo if you... It's on our Insta, It's on my Instagram. Well, That's amazing. It's funny to us. Yeah, you had to be there. At Crack Daddy Kane. Yeah. I was going to ask you, Leftover Crack, about New York punk history. Oh, yeah. The false prophets. What yeah. can you say about the false prophets and New York punk history? False prophets are great. Um, I was fortunate enough to grow up in the city and... Although I was not allowed to go to many shows or like go out late or stay out on the weekends till I ran away from home, false prophets were always around. And uh, just, um, you know, great political punk band. And Stefan's a friend of ours, and uh, he's a singer. And he just had all these props. He's kind of like the carrot top of uh, Alternative Tentacles, I would call it. And, uh, you know, this record in particular is interesting because it's out of print. And um, I did a compilation, I really wanted destructive engagement for my compilation, instead I got um, Baghdad Stomp. But nobody could get a copy of this. There's no digital copy of Destructive Engagement, which is one of the best tracks. It's probably the best False Prophet song. Somehow it's not on their best of. I was thinking about New York Punk, and how many times did you play CBGBs? And also, do you know that the new CBGBs is now a designer's shoe store? Yes, I do know that. And how many times did we play CBGBs? Uh, between Leftover Crack and Choking Victim, probably a dozen times or less, maybe ten. What do you remember about CBGBs? Uh, I didn't play there with Leftover Crack. I played there with uh, F minus a couple of times. And, uh, and you did play with Leftover Crack. Did, did I, play I play there with Leftover Crack? Crack played. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Played together at a concert. Remember, there's like several bands. Yeah. It wasn't just the one band. Yeah, was that what it was like at CBGBs? N tons of bands? Oh, I mean, I like, like every show is at least five bands. Yeah. There's no like b show that was like, maybe I went to see Living Color there once, and it was like Living Color and one other band, or maybe was it packed every time? No, 
every time that there was a show. Yeah. Um, it was. I went to lots of shows where there was just a handful of people. I'd say that CBGB's was packed. <coughs> when I went there, probably 80% of the time. And some shows should have been packed. And also then our shows were the ones that really were not packed. Yeah, CBGB's was awesome. If you, if you didn't get a chance to go there, that's that sucks. I mean, it's... I don't know any place like it. You There's know? like, um, back when Choking Victim existed, there was only like three places that we could play in New York. It was C Squat where we lived, ABC No Rio, and CBGB's. That was pretty much it. Coney so they allowed punk? They allowed punk. They begrudgingly allowed punk. It's funny you say that because the people that were doing security and running the door were really notoriously anti-squatter, like, uh, um, Bands like Dissociate and JFA, like former squatters that hated squatters now that would call the cops on you if they saw you doing stuff, you know, trying to get into a building to sleep. And uh, that was a thing. That's one of the reasons why they didn't, they didn't like us. But not as a whole. It would just depend but on who was doing the door, yeah. The people working the door aren't the people booking the shows necessarily, so. You went, Stissa, to Iceland's most famous food truck? Yes. I believe it. I don't know, remember the name of it, but yes. You love the food and the Dojo's salad dressing? Oh, yeah. That stuff's good. Dojo's, you mean Dojo's New York City? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and to be fair, in Reykjavik, I, I think I'm saying that right, I think there might have only been one food truck. So saying that that was the most famous one is, you know, is absolutely true. Facts. Facts. You did your research, I see. Quote, I think crusties are fine, but Stizza is high on the stink meter. He's been kicked off planes. What, who said that? From? From what? Verbicide fanzine. Okay. Fat? Wait, um, uh, have I been kicked off a plane? Fat Mike. Oh, Fat Mike, yeah, yeah, yeah. He Your label head said yeah. that. He did, yeah, yeah, he definitely wasn't, like, super happy with how I smelled for a long time. Yeah, that's true. He's weird, too, because he'll, like, um, he'll, like, share a dildo with you, but he won't, um, you know, and he'll be like, yeah, put on this latex thing that everybody was naked in all day, but then he's like, oh, you smell bad. I'm like, fuck you, man. You're stuck up. Who cares? True story. You're hurting my feelings. Yeah. Stizza, do you have anything more to say about Fat Mike? Um... Well, you know, he's proved to be a really good friend over the years. More so than any other person that we dealt with th for this long. <laughs> Which has been since 2007, so it's a pretty long time. And I was curious, what do you think about old school ska? Like Byron Lee and the Dragonairs? It's good stuff. Because you at one time had a slacker, or you might still have a slacker as drums. We don't anymore, but he's you know he's still our friend, and we, yeah, you know we he might be our, he might be in again in yeah. the band again. I remember this one with the dance moves on it. It's cool. Because a lot of people give ska a bad name, don't they? Not leftover crack or choking victim <laughs> or star fucking hipsters. No, but well, everybody else. Yeah. Why have you encountered, or why do people give ska a bad name? I love ska. Byron Lee. I love the dance. If I can dance, then the, if I want to dance when a band's playing, then they're probably pretty good. Yeah. They're playing a good song at least, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think people have a thing where it's like, like dancing's not cool. Like, what is this? When did we like leave the '80s and become like, like all jaded and shit about dancing? Dancing? How cool was dancing in the '80s? Yeah. It was like the coolest thing to do, right? Break dancing, 
other dancing, what else was there? There's all kinds of dancing movies. Lombada, when was that? Leftover crack, bringing you ska and dancing back. Yeah. Lombada back. Oh, we're trying to bring Lombada back. Yeah. yeah. Forbidden dance. I was curious, what do you guys know about the Peace Comp? This is an important comp, especially the booklet. Yeah, this is great. I love this comp. What can you say about the Peace I mean, Comp? It's got every band that I liked from the really? 80s. Like, I, I'd be like, is that band on there? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, they're on there. Yeah. They're all on there. Every band from Reagan Youth to Zounds. I'm guessing that Zounds is on there. From Let's see the booklet. The booklet is amazing. What do you think about 80s or 90s booklets? What do you think about booklets? I love booklets. I love, I think that's the first thing that, that after, after they give me convenience or give me death tape that I had, once I got some of these Dead Kennedys records with these giant newspaper booklets in them, I was like, these are, just sit there for hours, get stoned and read the booklet and listen to the record, you know? Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. About this comp in particular, though, is um, I was, I put that, that comp I was talking about getting... False Prophets on, which th I think they're on this too, maybe. Um, I, uh, I went ahead I, and was starting to make my, my comp. It was called Against Police and Justice. And uh, I, early on, I had Dave Dichter involved. And uh, I started asking bands like Conflict and stuff about having songs for it. And they were all like, oh, no, not if Dave Dichter's involved. No way. I was like, oh, wait a second. Like, he's actually not involved at all. He just gave me a song and said I could use his name. I'm just doing it myself. And then they're like, okay because of this comp. I think a lot of people, I don't know what happened, and I don't think the story will ever, perhaps might never get told fully, but I think it was supposed to be a benefit, or maybe the people don't know where the money went. That's really the end of the day, that's what happened with that comp. But it's still a great comp, and you know what? Fuck the money, it got people like me and a, lot of, a whole generation of people into political punk and good music, and uh, you know what? If you have to like bemoan like losing a few thousand dollars and then then you're not a political punk. You're just a capitalist, so fuck you. Can you tell that somebody is going to fight you? Um, it, it, they're usually pretty drunk. drunk. Usually after the first punch to and, your and face. I, I, yeah. fair, I don't beat people up. I'm not, you know, into that. And I don't like, you know, hurting people or getting hurt. But I'll bop, uh, it's nice to bop somebody with a microphone if they're acting out of line because um, it I don't, doesn't like hurt it that much. It sounds pretty rad, though. And I've done some things, like, like I've done the long distance I hit somebody in the in the head with the mic, like you know I was in a, a, a gladiator or something, and whoosh, like from a 30 feet, and they was never like, I, I don't know, I was being a brat, I, you know I can't say that I'm all, I've always been right or been like the best person to be around, but you know I stand by 90 percent of what I've said and yeah, done. Yeah, it's a fucking punk show, you know. It is a punk show, it? yeah. You want, a, you want safety? Don't go to a punk show. Leftover crack, Stizza. What do you think about squats? Owning squats, like if you don't pay your taxes, it becomes yours. It's no longer a squat. That's true. I, uh, uh, where I live in New York is actually a co-op now. But you know, C co-op doesn't sound as good as C squat. <laughs> People wouldn't know what we're talking about, so it's like, yeah, it's C squat. You know, you have a name. You you have a name at a place for. 20 odd years, you know, it's just like that's the name of the place. It can be, it could be owned by Disney. It's still Sea Squat. It's still the Muppets, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're not, this is not the Muppets now. Or like, you know, Disney's, the, it's actually Disney's the Muppet. Registered trademark at Disney. That's actually what it is, really. Did the owners ever come back to Sea Squat? Sea Squat was a place that um, had, had a fire and had been abandoned for, uh, 
I mean, the whole neighborhood, the whole Lower East Side was basically abandoned for 20 or 30 years. Nobody lived there. And there was just a, like, rubble and war zone and nobody fucking... It was fucked up. It was kind of like... I've heard Vancouver was a little bit like that a little while ago. I don't know. We might go check it out, see if there's any, any semblance to New York in the 90s. Winding up your leftover crack, what can you say about this band, C-Squad Old Skull? Average age, 11? Um, is that right? On, on this record? I feel like they were younger when they started. Because you knew them, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I knew... Um, yeah, I did, and, and they're the brothers, the Toulon brothers, are now dead. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. And, uh, you know, I was actually... We had been in bands with, with them over the years, and uh, actually the first, uh, the first version of Star Fucking Hipsters had um, Jamie Toulon in it. And, you know, we were kind of more of a crust metal... Thing than, than what we became, but old school. It's great stuff. Um, Josh is still alive. He's a friend of ours, and we see him whenever we're in New Orleans. He's usually there. Very young, though, old school were. Very young. I feel like um, average age 11 is not accurate, though. I feel like it's like at some point his average age was like eight. Eight-year-olds, eight dude. Eight-year-olds, Yeah. Oh, younger. Oh, yeah, they were younger than 11. I th maybe the, at one point... I thought you were going higher, but no, you were going no. younger. Yes, younger. No, yeah, I'm yeah. That, that, that when this record came... I don't know if this is their first record, but if it it's is... It's on a major, too. Is it? I can't really... Restless Records, right? The average age is 11. Yeah, but... I was wrong. But at some point, their average age was 11, sure. <laughs> but not always. It used to be a younger age, and then it was older. And then he was like 12 and 13, and I don't know, you know, math and stuff. What do you think about the NSA being able now to hack into your iPhone? Um, I, I thought they could always do that. Yeah, is that new? Is that something new? Wasn't that that Will Smith movie, Enemy of the State? And they tell us, like, by the way, they can do anything, anytime. I didn't think that was in doubt. I just, you know. Okay, what about the FBI hacking into your webcam? Um, I just put a little... Uh, I have a little piece of tape over it. So they don't see me masturbating. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Baboom. <laughs> yeah, weren't they always able to do that too? Who cares? I mean, the day that you they know? put up all those images of us masturbating, like, yeah. what, what, like. I've heard of masturbating in front of a, a large audience of people. It's a, it's a fetish of some people, yeah. yeah. Greg Graffin is one of them, I think, so. Stizza, Mikey Erg. Yes, Mikey Erg. A fellow They Might Be Giants fan? Yes. As a matter of fact, we're talking about... Uh, we, we already did Anna Eng on the last Star Fucking Hipsters record, and we just... I, I was I just saw him in New York at a No Effects show, and I talked was talking to him, and I was like, let's do more of that. It's so easy. And so this month, we're supposed to meet up in the Bay Area, and uh, I made a list of They Might Be Giants songs. We're going to do an EP at least. At least four songs, maybe more, depending on how quickly we work. Uh, right now, on my list is... Rabbit Child, uh, Rhythm Section One Ed, um, Birdhouse in Your Soul, why not, right? Um, and New York City by Cub from Vancouver. They covered it. They did what? They Might Be Giants covered. That's a Cub song, right? Yeah, that's a good song. That record's great. Uh, I think Factory Showroom's really underrated. Good record. Is this a leftover crack? What is crack like in Los Angeles? Um, when I was buying a lot of it, um, I, it was after I was living in Brad's garage, and it uh, depends on how much you had, but 30 bucks would buy you way too much crack to smoke in one evening, let me tell you. So it was app that we were recording our first leftover crack record. 
it was really good, you know, but you know, tastes change. I'm not that I'm not really into crack. Anyway. I thought it was like fettuccine. Oh right. Well that's one well I'm thinking about this other spot, but when I would go down to MacArthur Park and buy crack, um, yeah, they had it they'd like spit it out of their mouths and it'd be these like they obviously made it, like cured it in little in a tray that was little skinny tubes of it. You ever have that? The fettuccine looking crack? It does, yeah. But there's but I got a lot more crack when I went up like the hill by the the uh, highway in the bushes in the dark at night, and I was like, I gave them money, and they just gave me, they just like handed me a bunch of like rocks. That wasn't actually the fettuccine crack, but there's, there's all flavors of crack, I guess, you know. Leftover crack have talked a lot about the police. What about firemen? Firemen. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Firemen. They uh, they they save lives. We like firemen. Well, who comes out to leftover crack gigs? Like Marines? Firemen? Firemen come to shut down the show because the place isn't up to code and there's too many people in the venue. <laughs> boom. Yeah, ha boom. Have Marines come? I'm sure. I'm sure there's been I'm Marines. Sure, yeah. Marines have come. Yeah, yeah. I feel like a no lot of. I, I think I have friends that are crusty punks that are former Marines. At this yeah. point, since we've had more wars and such, and lots of soldiers in America, like. A lot of people in the you scene can, that have, yeah. You can't throw, throw, what's punk that you could throw? A, I don't know. You can't throw a safety pin at a punk show without hitting a Marine, I think. A former Marine, I would say, actually. was more, like, apt. Now, Brad, Brad, you, South Park, what's your connection to South Park? I, uh, there was a song that bears my name that was in, in, in South Park that was written by um, my friend in Rancid. And it was about me. One of your favorite bands, right? What? Rancid. Oh, no. Uh, you know... Rancid play a lot into your story, don't they? They, they do. They do. It's true. And, and you know, I, I, get, I have to give Tim Armstrong credit for being the only person to eventually give us money to record or, or finagle us some money to get our record out there, even though true. we broke up the day we started recording. And Brad still, was it? And still released it, even after yeah. you broke up. Yeah. Speaking of the undead and old-school New York people, what can you say about David Peel and the Lower East Side? Do you know anything about David yeah. Peel? Have a marijuana. Ant Anti-folk. David Peel, he's, he still plays... I feel like uh, he plays every single free show in Tompkins Square Park still to this day um, up till, like, last month. And I feel like uh, I'm, I'm going to be playing on September 11th there, and uh, I have a good feeling David Peel will be playing too. Leftover crack, where did you discover me? Um, I got a, a DVD at Alternative Tentacles. And then uh, as we just were watching it, Star Faking Hipsters was watching it on tour, like when we'd be somewhere and be like, hey, they have a DVD player, it's, what do we got? We have, uh, let's see, we have Terminal City Ricochet in the garbage. <laughs> we have uh, the Pansy Division documentary, that's cool, I'll keep that. And then we had, uh, you know, I think we had No Effects Backstage Passport, and we had... Nardwar, the human serviette, the best of. And so that was cool to watch. We, we enjoyed it. It's pretty cool. I feel like a lot of people that you interviewed have never seen you. <laughs> Thank you, Jello Biafra. Yeah, Jello Biafra spreading the word. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I honestly, watching those, the, your interviews, I was like, you know, and it's kind of sad. I was like, I'll, I'll never be able to get back in that country. And so I'll probably never meet Nardwar and get interviewed. But now it's all happening. Yeah. Our, our whole lives have changed. Yeah. And we can never, this is going to be one of those defining it's moments. It's just like right yeah, now. the last few years, yeah. you know, we have working How with, sad. <laughs> working with the crew. 
Jesse Michaels, Nardwar, and what else is there? Where else does it go from here? There's no, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the pinnacle. Well, thank you very much, Leftover Crack. Keep on rocking in the free world, and do-do-loo-doo. Doo-doo. You're still listening to CITR Nanardwar, the human serviette radio show. And you just heard right there some leftover crack with Crack City Rockers. And before that, an interview with Brad and Stizza from Leftover Crack. And before that, Cracks Rock Steady. Not Crack Rock City, but Crack Rock Steady by Choking Victim, which was pre-leftover crack. Right now, here are Cub with New York City, as mentioned by Stizza from Leftover Crack. Cub from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And Stizza did know the version of New York City that was done by the Might Be Giants. But he did know the Cub version, and here is the Cub version from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, 19... Actually, 
19, they didn't have the date, but 94 or 95. Cub from Come Out, Come Out.
You're still listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show. And you just heard right there from the Peace compilation, as recommended by Stizza from Leftover Crack. We heard side one displayed on on on. Actually, there are 14 songs, but we played from the top and we only played four. We heard, we just heard right there, Kalishnikov from Denmark. And before that, we heard Neon Christ from the USA. And then we heard Jism from from Japan. And we began with Articles of Faith from the United States. So in Articles of Faith, up against the wall, Jism, endless blockade for Pussyfooter from Japan. Neon Christ with Ashes to Ashes from USA, and Kalishnikov with Shaluter's Cabinet from Denmark, all from the Peace Compilation, as recommended by Stizza from Leftover Crack. Now, to end the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show, I thought I would play something. Now, the purpose of CITR is to expose people to music they haven't heard before, but you have heard this before, but you may not have heard the full-length version. The full-length version. And it is such a good song. I thought I would play Mike Post with the Rockford Files theme. The full-length full-length 45 version. So yes, you have heard this before, but you have not heard probably or a long time the full-length 45 version. So here is Mike Post with the Rockford Files theme on the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. <laughs> 